Are you ready to level up the podcast for leaders, entrepreneurs, and business with your hosts, Jose Medina and Crystal Garcia? It's time to level up. And we're back with season two, episode four of the Undeniable Level Up podcast. For those of you who missed our last episode, we discussed Embracing the Suck, where Professor Min Nguyen, a third degree Taekwondo and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, discussed how he learned how to embrace the suck in his pursuit of not only mastering one, but two martial arts, and how he continues to do this as the owner of Aspire Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu School, an affiliate of the Pablo Silva Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu School, where Crystal and I both train and compete. In life you'll find that not everything is going to go according to plan. The reality is that shit happens. The plan that you had when you was 15 is not the plan that you're going to have when you're 21, and it's not going to be the plan that you have when you're 30. Why? Because shit happens. The one definite thing you can depend on is that shit is going to happen. And when it does, your success depends 100% on how you pivot from that one thing that has derailed you. This is where most people fail. Your inability to sidestep a challenge, your inability to get past a roadblock, your inability to overcome an obstacle derails you in a way where you find yourself spiraling, making bad decision after bad decision until you finally hit rock bottom. But this doesn't have to be your story. In some instances, especially when something catastrophic happens, you can find yourself needing to pivot into a role that you're unfamiliar with. And when this happens, you'll find that you'll need to fake it until you make it. And that doesn't mean lie on your resume. It doesn't mean pretend you're something that you're not. And it doesn't mean apply for a job that you're not qualified for. What it does mean is figure out what you need to do to be successful in this new position that you find yourself in and do what you need to do to become successful. Fake it till you make it means developing the job skills that are necessary to create a career, finding a mentor who can teach you and coach you and mentor you along a path that leads you to success, and then taking every opportunity that you're given in every job that you're assigned to do the very best that you can so that you're so undeniable that you're just the best in what you're doing and you become that reality. Today, we're here to discuss how to fake it until you make it. And we have a special guest and a very good friend of ours, AJ Franco. For those of you uh, meeting AJ for the very first time, AJ is a supply chain leader and executive. Uh, He's currently residing and working in Northern California where he leads a Fortune 500 grocery distribution center. AJ is no stranger to the concept of faking it until you make it, and he's had his fair share of shit happening. AJ, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for making the time. And I know you got a really busy schedule, man. So finally, man, I know this is something that we've talked about for a long time, uh, getting you on the podcast and talking a little bit about your journey and kind of what you've been through. And and I, I felt like this was the right topic because I feel like a lot of times people are placed in the positions where they're just not ready. They don't know how to move forward. And sometimes faking it till you make it is the way that you actually move forward. So, but I want to start with the beginning. Like, uh, where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? How was your childhood? Oh, my childhood was uh, fairly decent. You know, we had our own hardships. You know, yeah. I guess in the sense of what you said, as far as shit happens, you know, I've seen it a lot across my life, especially growing up, you know, coming from a single home, single mother home. I grew up in Stockton, California. We don't have the best reputation there is out there. Uh, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely our uh, school to prison pipeline was very transparent and there right in front of our face when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, being a uh, biracial male, you know, especially the, during the time I was growing up, I came across my fair challenges of trying to find myself and yeah. going through the shit that happens and, you know, trying to fake it till I make it in a sense. 
of having so many different kind of profiles I had to build myself around, develop me into a character that I am today. Support that I've had, you know, came later in my later years as far as when I got into my late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. So Wait, when, you were, when you were in, uh, in high school, you were an athlete, weren't you? Yes, I was a three-letter Letterman uh, athlete. I was a, I actually went to state, place in place in state, but went to expeditions in state for wrestling. Did CCI's championships for football, nice. and believe it or not, I was a mascot to actually maintain my uh, body mass for wrestling. So, yeah. for, so I was a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> so once you got done with school, like what was your path after school? How did that play out? And to be honest with you, my path after school, I really didn't have one. No, I had a little ins and out jobs as far as, you know, detailing and things like that. Really, I was just out there, you know, living a uh, mirage or character that I built, trying to, uh, in a sense, survive or fit in. You know, it's one of the big things that I tell some of our young leaders and some of our young associates that come into the industry that we're in now, as far as distribution and logistics, it's like, man, you can be this person, but just know your reputation follows you. The character and the person that you build is for you, nobody else, you know. When I first met you, and I, I met you when I was in Stockton, running a distribution center there as well. And yeah. I know that when I met you, one of the things that kind of drew me to you as a person was just the fact that our backgrounds are so similar. When I was leaving high school and le- leaving that life, mm-hmm. I had my fair share of challenges as well. And I had my fair share of shit happening. And I was dealing with law issues and things like that. Like, yeah. how did those things affect you being in that type of an environment? Like, everyone knows Stockton is a place that's very heavy in, like, the gang life and yeah. things like that. Like, how did that impact you? I know being an athlete kind of keeps you separated from that yeah. street life kind of a little bit. But but how did right. that impact you as you were kind of growing into your young 20s? Well, man, it, it impacted me big time. So yeah. um, I come from a household of, you know, working people so yeah the mentorship and you know the camaraderie that most people get uh two-parent home i wasn't able to get my right. mom was always working my grandma was always working everybody was always working so yeah it kind of made me a, a sense of growing up faster than i should have right right so when it came time to actually deal with life and it being my own life i kind of put myself in a shell of uh, i can do it myself Right. I don't want to ask people for help. You know what I mean? I'm a yeah. man now or whatever the case is. The opportunity of calling myself a man. And it got me into some trouble, man. I mean, uh, I spent six plus years in uh, state penitentiary for choices that I made trying to absorb my hardships for myself and not actually reaching out or asking for help or guidance that I felt that wasn't there or non-existent. Right. You know what I mean? And you proved a big point. I mean, I can actually say that you and Crystal have been a big part of really saving my life, you know, because there was a time where I was getting where I just felt like I was at dead end. You know, I had skills, I had traits, I knew I was able to lead, I knew I was able to do things, but I did not have a mentor or leadership or however you want to say, whatever be a friend or a person that can actually filter those strengths I had. You know, I always felt restrained in a sense of oppressors from my past or people that I was meeting around me, things like that. But I mean, the things I've been through actually built me, built what I am, you know, give me the understanding of knowing what what people are and how you can help and the importance of actually giving somebody the chance to either succeed or fail, you know, fake it or make it. And so when you came home from that experience and you were kind of, you know, putting your life back together and everything like that. I, I know you had your oldest daughter, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so how did that impact you in terms of, you know, having that level of responsibility and, and coming home and, and then trying to create a path forward? And, and what did that look like for you? 
man, it was it was faking or make it, man. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I came home. I was married. I had a six-year-old daughter. I had an apartment. I had yeah. bills. I had everything that everybody was doing the whole time. I had thrown at me all at once within a, a year. Right. So, you know, everybody, they're quick to tell me, hey, man, I'm proud of you, man. You really came a long way. You know what I mean? But I'm more proud of people that were, I was around that's been out here the whole time doing it the whole right. time you know what I mean yeah going yeah. through every struggle that they possibly could go through uh I, I I wasn't doing it the whole time right uh, you know I had I had that rest period where I trained myself I put it in my mind like look I have no choice I can't fail you know right. it was more so a sense of urgency and not yeah. a sense of panic people build different skills when you're in a sense of urgency as opposed to a sense of panic you know when you're living it there right now day to day whatever the case is and you don't have time to recoup or to plan and do things it's that panic brings a different sense of ability to what you have you know what i mean i think some people get a little content in that sense me i told myself look i'm not going to be content with anything i I want the best i'm going to push to get the best i want to try to do my best and whoever i got to listen to or if i got to plead and beg to god for it or wherever it's going to come from you know i put it in my mind that i i I was not going to fail and i I did some of the worst jobs you can think of and i literally dig through trash for 750 an hour i remember i came to see you guys at the warehouse and i said man just give me 18 dollars. i'll be cool yeah. You know I mean, you said, how about I give you 20? I was like, hey, man, you want me to start right now? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was a turning point in my life. I had the self-value and I had the work, but, you know, for somebody that I felt that was put together in a sense and past faking into we made it and things like that, it put more worth onto what I had myself worth. You know what I mean? It's always good to pat yourself on the back, but it's great when somebody's hugging you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%, yeah, sure. man. And I don't think no one who's ever become uber successful has ever done it alone. Although when they're at the top and you see them, they're standing by themselves. Like, so you assume, man, that guy, he just did it all on his own. <laughs> but no one really does it alone, right? Everybody always has a coach. Even professional athletes who are super talented in whatever it is, you know, sport they do, they have a bunch of coaches and yeah, a bunch of mentors. mentors and yeah. I'll tell the story a little bit about when you came to the warehouse and and it's funny because I remember I was hiring for a lead position and I got your name from a recruiter and they were like hey look I'd like for you to talk to this guy I think you'd like him you know he's got really really strong leadership skills whatever and so I remember you came into the warehouse and we kind of took a walk and I remember you saying to me like I don't have the right words to tell you but you know if you give me this opportunity I'll do an amazing job like I know how to do this job you really spoke from your heart and you really like talked to me about what you would do and how you would handle situations and like in that moment I know you were applying for a lead role and I think I remember I don't even think it was 18 man I think you were like hey I know I gotta start at the bottom I gotta work my way up I'm willing to take 16 bucks and that was what we were paying our leads you know and so I was like well what if I pay you $20 and I make you my supervisor and you was like hell yeah I'm your dude I'm, I'm your guy you give me an opportunity I won't let you down I remember that conversation you went on to do amazing things there, man. So I learned a lot in that process as well because I've never really had someone who was so absorbing of information in a way that they were applying it and then it was actually providing some type of return. You know what I'm saying? And I saw you go from being a supervisor to being the top supervisor to being night operations manager. And then I just saw you continuing to apply as you were learning new things and you were learning, you know, additional stuff, you were applying it and uh, learning Lean Six Sigma processes and principles and you were putting that into motion and it was good to see that journey. And uh, I know at one point that job went away and mm-hmm. we both found ourselves, it, it's kind of a funny story, but we both found ourselves unemployed, right? 
Yeah. I, I got fired first right? and then you came you came right behind me and it was um, a really bad situation that where you know it was right on the onset of COVID a lot of things were going on a lot of people were losing their jobs and you and I both found ourselves unemployed and what's really funny is that's my most recent kind of experience of where I also had to fake it till I made it because when we partnered up with Crystal and we started hey look we're going to help you continue to grow your business AJ and I became her salespeople off the payroll like we weren't getting paid for it but we were putting in the work and helping her grow the business so that we can help that business grow and be contributing to, to something I mean I know AJ came in and we would go out and we would do sales calls and neither one of us are trained salespeople <laughs> and and there were plenty of times where we would walk into a warehouse to speak to a leader inside of a warehouse and they would say things like uh, how'd you even get in this building <laughs> like how'd you get here <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. what are you guys doing here but we what what, what were we doing AJ Hey, uh, you know, to say the least, I don't think it was an experience that put us in a place where we had to fake it to a maker, but it definitely compromised us, right? We got yeah. put in a place. We could have easily fell victim to whether you want to call it a failure or a mishap or whatever the case is, but right. we went out there, man, and we used to, we were hitting the road and we would, I think our biggest goal would be just to talk to somebody. Yeah. And we we, we didn't know what, what we were going to talk about. We go to a warehouse, we know some kind of commodity they're working with, but we definitely, in a sense of faking it till we make it, we would get there. Yeah. And as long as we got a few words out of somebody, got that exposure, we were happy with it. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? And then sure. I, I couldn't tell you anytime we got a, a scheduled meeting, we, we felt like we took over the world. Celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, you know I mean, I, yeah. I, I used to look forward to those lunches, man. Was, I <laughs> talk to anybody, anybody. Crystal would be like, hey, what do you guys want to eat? Well, shit, we're ready. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think one of the biggest things that, um, that I took from that, and I think that uh, people take from compromising situations as far as that is, you know, not giving up, man. Yeah. I mean, and it's not a sense of either you got it or you don't. No, every every man, woman, person that wants to do better or wants to do something for themselves has it. Right. It's a matter of, you know, controlling that. You know what I mean? I, I heard this quote. This guy said, uh, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Being, being relentless is one of the biggest tools that a leader can have. But learning how to control that relentless is, I think, is gold. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What's interesting right. is that during that same period of time, so like when Jose's talking about when you came in and he hired you, you know, there was other people that he gave the same opportunity to, he provided the same mentorship to, yeah. and they went in a completely different direction. So it wasn't a matter of not having the opportunity or, you know, not having access to the same mentorship, but the ability to be able to absorb that and to move forward with it. We had a close friend of ours that went in the opposite direction. He's currently incarcerated right now, and you know he's coming home soon. But sometimes when you're given an opportunity, you have a choice. And you know what? Sometimes you may feel undeserving of that opportunity. You may feel like, I don't deserve this, you know what I'm saying? And so therefore, I'm not going to take advantage of it because I don't really deserve it. But you do. You do deserve it. And you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family to take advantage of every opportunity that you're given, no matter how small it is, and make it work for you. And man, Jose, that touches home big time, man, because I know you and I, before taking my current position or, you know, in the path of my current position, we had this talk. Yeah. And I, and you know, and I fell victim to being submissive to the thought of failure. Yeah. And you told me, you said, man, well, well, I mean, what, what are you worried about? Either you can do it or you can't do it. Make it till you make it, right? I think the biggest tool and the biggest energy that I took from that was like, look, I'm given the opportunity, you know, I've done the things to make sure that I can be at least in the doorway. 
why why the hell wouldn't I just walk through? And no one's saying yeah, it's going so, to be easy. No one's no. saying, hey, this, this is an opportunity and it's going to be easy for you. No, no. it's going to mean you have to work harder than everybody else because there's some gaps yeah. you got to close. You know what I'm saying? Like Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's and really where that. the fake it till you make it comes in. It, it's not about pretending to be what you're not. It's about imagining what you can be and then making yourself that. Right. I, say, I, say, I think like one of the biggest things too is that people like i'll speak for myself you know they have this misconception of the higher you go the easier it's going to get man this is not the time when, once you start feeling that you're getting closer to your goal it's not the time to start relaxing taking breaks right. and things like that you're going to work harder than you ever have and what's funny is that a lot of people they see individuals as they move up in the food chain right in the career ladder and you keep thinking man it must be easier at that yeah, level you must know what be I'm nice <laughs> oh he's in the office every day he's just, but they don't see the work that you're putting in they don't see the time that you're investing they don't see the problems that you're solving you know what i'm saying and so and those are the challenges now once you kind of left all american lumpen and you started going in these different directions of these different jobs that you were doing what helped you kind of elevate from one position to the next position to the, the all the way to your gm somewhere running an entire distribution center and a wise couple told me probably about two and a half, three years ago, they said, it's it's about shared value. Man. And I can walk into an establishment and see the shared value between associates, between leadership, between customers, between the value that they hold on the floor. Yeah. And I think I put myself in a thought factor that I, I just don't want to settle for a company that's not going to do what they say, in a right. sense. Not to drive back, to drive back into the warehouse where you and I, we worked in and worked together with. Yeah. I remember um, one of the corporate people reached out and we had over, what was it, 450 plus thousand rugs we needed to bring into with no racking or whatever the case is. Yeah. And the confidence that was built by you with me and stuff like that, with, you know, we built this confidence and, you know, I was confident enough to say, hey, we can do this. Don't worry about it. We won't lose nothing. And the poor leadership of that person on the other end of the phone the first thing was visualizing the failure. So her statement was, and I know you remember her statement too, Jose. Statement well, was, um, well, I hope you know the weight of that statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically tell me, telling me, well, if you lose one of my rugs, you're fired. Yeah. And we brought every rug in there and we didn't lose any rug as far as inventory wise goes, but we did lose some strength due to damage, but I did at that point moment, I did have the confidence because I was in front of a great leader and a strong leader that, you know, I knew the weight of my statement, you right. know what I mean? And I carried that moment with me to this day. Yeah. That's awesome. That was actually an amazing accomplishment that went kind of unrewarded and unrecognized because we basically went into a warehouse, we had racks in place, but we weren't allowed to use the racks you know, hundreds of trucks coming in to deliver these rugs, but we had no place to put them. Um, and so between myself, AJ, and some of our other leaders in that warehouse, we devised a plan on how to create floor locations to be able to fit these hundreds of thousands of rugs and be able to not only store them, but put them in, a, in such a way that we were still able to pick those rugs and ship them out. And we were outperforming their headquarters site out in New Jersey. Not just that, but you guys found a way to empty the containers and have temporary storage outside of the warehouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So we, we did an, ama an amazing thing there. And, and I would say that I didn't have a background in rugs and I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know anything about rugs. I knew, I knew distribution, but 
part of the faking till you make it in that scenario was, you know what? I don't know how we're going to do this. I know what the problem is. I don't know what the solution is yet, but I know if, if we get some smart people together and we come up with a plan, we can execute it. And, and we did, we executed it. And we, there were some days where shoot, there were some days where me and AJ were in, a, in the back of a truck unloading a truck, or we were in a pile of rugs looking for one skew so that we could still pull it out so that we could ship it out to a customer. And you put in the work, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's part of it. Uh, part of faking until you make it is putting in that work that extra work that's true yeah most definitely yeah most definitely i, mean, I know crystal can speak on that i've seen her develop so many people you know coming yeah. into the building and doing the lack of better words undesirable labor that was in the building and the enthusiasm and love for the job that they had was just i mean at times it was breathtaking man yeah it, it really was you know what i mean and i think that things like that really developed developed my eye and my sense of that shared value you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I've never heard that phrase. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I've never heard that phrase or I've never heard that thought process, but it is very strong in my thought processes on yeah. how I view things and on how I view organizations, how I view leadership teams, how I view the associates and so on and so forth. Servant leadership is one of the biggest things that is, I say, has less, I don't know, that, that doesn't really be spoken about as much you know what i mean right but i think servant leadership is one of the biggest things that organizations need to take value on you know and servant leadership is something also that not a lot of people understand and a lot of people understand management because they've been managed by managers you know what i'm saying but being a leader is not being a manager and sometimes i think that you know once you learn the difference once the difference is made aware to you it's hard then to follow a manager for sure. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a disappointment that comes with that when you're like, this guy has no idea how to motivate, how to bring the that energy. The results are completely and, different. And yeah. the, absolutely. The results are 100% completely different. If there would have been a manager at that warehouse when we were receiving those rugs, a manager would not have been able to move almost half a million rugs into a warehouse with no racks and no. then still no. be able to pick those rugs, keep the security, not lose any rugs, be able to ship them out. That that would have never happened. Definitely an accomplishment there. And it was a good practice to, to have done that with you and, uh, and to have experienced that with you. Paulo Coelho says, you know, you must be the person that you've never had the courage to be. Gradually, you'll discover that you are that person. But until you can see this clearly, you must pretend and invent. Does Paulo's approach to faking it seem dishonest or sneaky? Uh, I don't think it's dishonest or sneaky. I I think when he said you must be the person that you never had the courage to be, goes kind of back until, you know, the fake it to make it phrase and or the way I approached it when, you know, I was actually got the opportunity to come back into society, you know what I mean? After sitting down for so long, I never once when I was in there thought about any accomplishment that I can do or whatever the case I did in the past. I thought about every failure. I I dissected every failure and I tried to see what could I have done different. And a lot of it had to do with courage. Yeah, it had to do the courage to admit that yeah, it was my fault. I failed there. What should I have done? Having the courage to go from three to four different jobs because you want to have the value inside an organization or have the leadership for that organization and help out. It's not about you know. There's been places where I could have sat down, and made cool, decent money, just sitting down, not doing yeah. anything. That's not what I wanted, and I guess the courage for the drive of leadership that I, I desire really made everything clear. 
I guess, I guess that, that that's my outlook on it. I mean, yeah. I, I really, I really latched on to the courage, to the courage aspect of that quote. Yeah, yeah that's um, spot on. That's 100%, oh. man. I couldn't have even said it better. I 100% agree with you. A lot of times it's really easy to take that knee and to sit down and go, you know what? That's just too hard. And I'm just going to stay here and make the easy money mm -hmm. as opposed to say, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. And yeah, I might not know everything about that job and I might not be able to do that job as well as other people, but I'm going to go in there. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do the best job that I can possibly do. Yeah, Absolutely. No, that's, that's really good, man. I had done a job where I'd come back from Afghanistan and I want to say it was like I had just brought my daughter back to where I was when I came home. And within about six months, I was told, hey, we're getting ready to go to Haiti. So I had to send her back for her to stay with her dad. And when we went out there, of course, most people, especially if you're doing back to back, you know, deployments, they want to come home as soon as they can. And so at the end of that tour in Haiti, they said, hey, we need a leader to volunteer to stay back, to be the party of people that stays back till the end. And I said, I'll do it. So I stayed and the people who stayed you know, with us, there was a two-star general that I had to brief every day. And I remember being so nervous because the first couple that I had seen before I started briefing, he would tell people, you can't brief anymore because you don't know how to brief. Or he would just tear them up about the brief that they gave. So I remember staying up one night and man, I made sure all my stuff was good to go so that when I gave my brief, like it was very concise and I made sure that I delivered the information that he needed and that he really didn't need to ask me questions. And I was the only one that never got pointed out for something being wrong or told that they couldn't brief. So I definitely had to fake it. Yeah. <laughs> I was nervous. <laughs> But I guess that goes back to that courage. You know, you got to have that courage even to fake it up, to have the thought factor of somebody actually knowing more than you yeah. and you trying to deliver what they know. I think yeah, it's one of the right. big, Yeah, that can be nerve wracking I mean? for sure. Yeah, for sure. So kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. When we discuss the act of faking it, what we're truly focusing on is your ability to be confident in an environment where you lack confidence. Um, we've all been in a situation where you found ourselves underprepared or not fully confident in either our preparation, our capabilities, or in our knowledge. When we do find ourselves in these types of situations, it's important to find that confidence inside of you intrinsically. So when should you not fake it? And that's kind of a, an important piece of information to know. There are certain instances where you should fake it till you make it. There are definitely some times when you should not fake it at all, right? The one time when you should not fake it till you make it is when you lack knowledge or credentials to perform a job. Meaning you, there's a job and it requires you to have a certain skill set or a certain credential and you don't have that. And then to lie about that can put you at risk. And I, th I think you were talking about a surgeon that... Yeah, that didn't have the credentials and they ended up obviously getting rid of the person. Honestly, how they made it through the door, I'm really not even sure because typically that's a very um, meticulous process. I mean, as soon as they found out, they let the person go. The other time is when faking it requires you to be dishonest or deceitful, meaning you're either lying on a resume, you're lying on a job application, you're, you're being dishonest in, in that process because eventually the truth comes to light, right? And then you, gotta, you have to deal with that. So it's always best right. to be honest about you know, your situation or if you lack information, it's always good to say, okay, I don't have this experience, I'm going to go get the experience so that when I put it on the resume, it's actually factual. The other one is when you're creating a visual representation of success that's beyond your current financial situation. So for example, you're going out there, you're buying a, a brand new Bentley and you're driving around in a suit. You don't have that level of success, but you're portraying that at the risk of not financially being able to support that lifestyle, right? You know, so that's right. another time where it doesn't make any sense to fake it till you make it. 
And the last one that I can think of is when you're creating an environment that's either unsafe or dangerous. So for example, if someone comes into a warehouse and go, hey, I know how to drive a forklift and I've never touched a forklift. That's a bad situation. Yeah, that is not the way too. to fake it till you make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're gonna run someone over, you're gonna, you're gonna break something, you're gonna damage something, like something like that's gonna happen. So that is not a time to fake it till you make it. So I got a question. Have you guys, either one of you in Asia, I'll ask you first, have you ever been in a situation where you faked it when you shouldn't have? Yeah, I, I have. It was it was to the extent of um, what you just mentioned, actually. I went into a warehouse uh, when I first got home again. It was one of my first jobs where I actually was able to operate equipment. The trainer goes, hey, man, have you ever been on a fork? Oh, yeah, man, I drive that shit all the time, man. Never <laughs> stepped foot on the <laughs> Did you think it right? was going to be like driving a car? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. So I'm looking. So I'm looking. You know, the levers that um, you know, the raising, the tilting, and things yeah. like that. I'm thinking those are you know, first gear, second gear, or whatever the case is. So I start the bad boy up, and I put it, and I noticed that it was moving the forks. So oh no, these are for the forks. So he's staring at me, and he just looks at me, and he got this look in his eye. He goes, and he didn't ask me, and I just you know, goes back to that courage. I said, you know what, man, I don't know how to drive a forklift, but I really like to learn how to. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. And you know what's funny? What's funny about that story is that in the warehouse, after I hired AJ, AJ was the, the best trainer. forklift. No, he was oh. the best forklift driver in the warehouse. He's the best forklift driver I've ever, I've ever known. Right? And yeah, he taught I'm, me how to drive I'm a forklift. Yeah, I'm pretty damn good now. Yeah. Yeah, and he awesome. taught me how to drive a forklift. So, and he was our trainer yeah, uh, on, on driving. I so that. that's an amazing story to go from. Hey, I don't even know how to drive this thing. To now you're teaching other people how to drive it, and, and that's the, the, the yeah. epitome of faking it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you became sure. the guy on a forklift. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So and I, I and I actually actually three years after that incident, right? I actually designed the pit training. <laughs> I know that's awesome, that, man. For, for my from for the building which was across the street from the building that we were at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's awesome, man. That's, that's great. That's, that's what's your story. I, I think I was probably about, I want to say I was probably 17 maybe. And I worked at a call center and they were hiring. I want to say the raise was only probably like 50 cents extra mm -hmm. an hour, but they were hiring for their bilingual team. So if you spoke another language, <laughs> you could work on their bilingual team. So I was like, oh, this is going to be more money. This can't be hard, right? So I go home and I tell my dad, hey, I need you to help me design a script because I'm going to use this script so that I can answer their questions in Spanish. It was horrible because if somebody went off the script, if they asked a question that obviously I didn't understand in Spanish, I couldn't answer them. And I didn't have the words <laughs> on my paper to be able to answer them. So I actually had, we had quality assurance people that would call, like test people with calls. And they called me one day and started troubleshooting me in Spanish. And she's like, you don't know Spanish that well, do you? <laughs> I was like, I really don't. <laughs> I said, See? I thought I could, I thought I could fake my way through this. Like I, I have a really good script, but man, you go off that script and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great example of uh, of when you should not fake it. Uh -huh. So, so they they told you there was a bomb in the building, and you said yes. See, 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 senor. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I remember, I remember one person got upset. I was so embarrassed because I didn't even know what they were saying. I just knew, I knew they were mad. <laughs> I was probably that's answering good. them so crazy. Confidence impacts you, but it also impacts the way that others view you as well. You know, the way that others interact with you and it impacts the way that you see yourself. So 
Um, you are capable of manipulating your brain to think of yourself as being more confident. This rewiring can actually have a long lasting impact and become second nature for you as you become more and more confident. So we're going to provide you with 15 ways to level up your confidence so that you can fake it until you make it. Has a lack of confidence ever held you back from achieving a goal or accomplishing an objective? Most definitely. And I know um, Jose can uh, recall this. I, I actually started working for an organization. It was actually my first food organization that I went into and I was terrified. But I've always, I don't know, I've always tried to hold this confidence about myself. Like I said, my self-worth supersedes all. You know what I mean? I, I feel that uh, I can be the biggest, baddest, strongest, most mentally in tune person as soon as I get my feet grounded, you know? I was in this organization and there was a leader there, you know, upper management. And I sincerely always felt every day he tried to break me. Uh, I always had other leaders say like, hey, if I was walking to this building, I would think you were the manager. Wow. And I didn't really understand that until I started getting these, uh, I guess, strategic attacks from this guy. <laughs> yeah. Everything that was said was either contradicted or it was made to be I was too aggressive or too this and this, whatever the case is. Right. But it was only from this one person. So it had me really conflicted about myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really had me challenging my confidence. Is my confidence arrogance or is my confidence something that I need to, you know, draw back because I'm going to miss out on opportunities or goals? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And in a sense, it's like, uh, I guess the least that I, my confidence gave me, I don't know, a sense of a target on my back because yeah. the goals and objectives that I put in front of me were just getting shot down every time. And I thought it was just because of my personality or the confidence that I had when I walked right. the floor and done certain things. So I guess in a sense, yeah, it did, it did hold me back from a lot of goals of what I, I should have done. I essentially quit that job for right. semi reasons of that. But right. to come into an organization that actually feeds off of that confidence, off of that stickiness of being goal orientated and, you know, wanting to accomplish things and wanting to take different pieces of the business on. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually so, interesting that you call that out because you're going to see stuff like that no matter where you go. And I always tell people that if you don't have a hater, then you're not doing something right because yeah. people are going to be unhappy that you're moving forward or you're moving up or how you're moving up or why you're moving up. And they're going to have something to say about it. And that's going to be the case no matter where you go. And it's great that you had the ability, whether that was giving yourself a pep talk or, you know, whatever that was, reaching out to a mentor that allowed for you to get past that and move forward because, you know, that's important. Any leader who doesn't feel threatened isn't going to be that way. They're going to be like, hey, man, what, you know, you're doing this really well. Tell me what it is that you're doing because they're going to want to level up their leadership. So they're going to be humble in that yeah, yes, so that's pretty awesome absolutely. what about you jose so yeah i found myself lacking confidence when i first took that job at amazon that was the the one and only time like i've <laughs> i'm going on 50 years right so that is probably the one and only time i've ever felt like my confidence was shaken and what it was was that i was just surrounded by these ivy league educated leaders right and I was just thinking to myself, man, you're just an army guy. You know what I'm saying? With a, it's with a, funny that you invented that because 
their degree didn't mean anything more than your no, degree. It didn't. <laughs> it, it was didn't. just from a fancy but, name. <laughs> yeah, but but psychologically, when you're thinking about it, right? And then and here's the other piece of it: you go into a meeting with someone, right? And they're just math wizards. Like they just throw numbers out and calculate it in their brains. <laughs> they're on another level intellectually. You know right. what I'm saying? Now that doesn't mean they're on another level in terms of leadership. It's just that they're book smart. You know what right. I'm saying? They got good education. Like, you know what I'm saying? And and here I am. I got my degree over the span of 20 years being in the military, <laughs> yeah. like squeezing in a class here or there. So I felt like my education wasn't at the same level as these guys. And so psychologically, I had psyched myself out to think that I wasn't as intelligent as these guys. So um, what did it take for you? What was the conversation that you had with yourself to get past that? Well, you know, it's funny because I actually had somebody pull me to the side. It was the first person in my whole entire career that had ever pulled me to the side and said you're doing a shitty job i've never been told that's I, not what he said well he basically <laughs> that's what he said well what happened was I, I went to a meeting and it was my very first meeting i'd never been in that meeting before and i was supposed to be presenting some information that i had just learned about and i didn't do a very good job in presenting and so after the meeting was over he said hey i was like come over here to my office and he goes look man if that's the way that you're going to be presenting in the meeting, don't even come to the meetings. I, I don't need you there if you're not going to add value. He says, you were a director at your last job. I expect a lot more from you. Right. And so what I wanted to say to him at the time was, well, first of all, most of what you just told me is incorrect, right? I've been on night shift. I've been in another department. I have no idea what, you know, I don't know any of this stuff and I'm learning it. But to me, that would just came off as an excuse, right? And so I didn't respond that way. What I did was I told him, I said, thank you for the feedback. I'm going to work on it and I'm going to do better, right? you know? And then I walked away from that thinking to myself, and here's my options. I can quit. I can quit, right? I can right. just go. Actually, a guy came to me and was like, hey, I know you're having a problem with this guy. Uh, what if I pull you to this other department? And I said, no, man, I'm not going to run away either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, I'm either going to sink or swim in this opportunity because I'm not going to run from it, right? right. Um, it's not going to defeat me. And so he gave me like four or five different points that he said I was not doing very well. And I said, okay, well, these three he was off on completely. Right. Like, I know he just doesn't know me. But these two... I can definitely 100% do something about them. So, and one of them was my knowledge and the other one was my preparedness. Right. And I said, okay, he's right. I could be more knowledgeable 100% and I could be more prepared. And so what I started doing was I would come in an hour early and I would stay an hour late. And I learned every single metric better than anybody in the building knew how to do. The other piece of it is I would do my research before, like the meeting where I did the presentation was at like nine o'clock. At eight o'clock, I'm looking at, everyone's attendance i'm looking at everyone's stats i'm looking at and so when i go into the meeting and i say this employee didn't get there one-on-one -on -one yesterday and they tell me oh he wasn't here yesterday i know that he was there right. i know what time he clocked in i know what time he clocked out i know when he went to lunch you know what i'm saying and so having that level of knowledge no one can dispute what you're saying you, you now know made yourself undeniable absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. and no question. yeah and so i became the the subject matter expert in everything having to do with quality but i had to do the work and I definitely had to fake it until I made it in order yeah. to do that. To fake it till you make it, the first method is one of my go-to favorites. It's power posing. And I've done classes on this. You get the opportunity to harness one of your superheroes. Using positive and empowering body language like power posing, you're able to get over your fears and stressors. This can happen when you find yourself in a new and uncertain environment. It's a great way to exude and boost confidence. Power posing was made popular after Amy Cuddy, a social psychologist who conducted a TED Talk where she shared scientific evidence that substantiated that 
power posing can build confidence and enhance self-esteem. It actually boosts your testosterone and lowers your cortisol. Cortisol is what is the stress hormone. And research has shown that testosterone, people with higher levels of testosterone tend to be more, more assertive and more competitive. And so although today, you know, some psychologists have tried to challenge those findings, they all agree that there's an impact on a person mentally, if even not physiologically. The second thing that you could do to improve how you fake it till you make it is to do something that you're good at. It is possible that there will be times in your life when your confidence is going to waver or it's going to dip. This happens when you're underprepared for a meeting or when you get caught off guard by a question. Don't allow that uncomfortable feeling to linger longer than it has to. Go and do something that you're good at. Uh, Remind yourself that even though you don't have the answer to every question, you don't have the answer to every problem, you're still good at a lot of things. So just having that reminder of, yeah, I wasn't so good here, but I'm great here. And having that boost your confidence again. Have either of you ever been in a situation where you lost confidence? And how did you recover from that? So we've been doing jujitsu and and initially I never had plans of competing. Um, My daughter does amazing. She competes very, very well and she catches on to things very quickly as well. So I had been doing these competitions and like my first competition, I killed it. And people were like, man, does she have a wrestling background? They were asking all these things, you know, and of course, all that stuff made me feel good. But obviously you want to be able to replicate that. So I went and I fought somebody at a competition where I knew she wasn't as good as me. I knew she didn't have technique like me, but she was super spazzy. And, you know, our professor's always telling us to like pick certain things and perfect those things and those things be your A game and then start to work on the other things to like slowly add things to your game. So the things that I was really good with that I had been working on, I had a couple takedowns and I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to do those takedowns because of how she was moving around. So to me, like when when I assessed that fight, when I went back and watched the fight, I'm like, I lost the fight from the very beginning because the takedown was where I pulled her into my game. So what I did to, you know, so that was a that was a hit to my confidence, not to mention that after we got done with the fight, you know, you typically shake the the coach's hand and you hug the person or whatever, or shake hands. And she said, man, I was so nervous. That was my first competition. I've only been doing jujitsu for a couple months. I was like, what? (laughs) a couple months so that was a hit to my confidence because i'm like man i can't beat a girl that's been doing jiu-jitsu for a couple months like what does that say about me and i talked to the you know one of our mentors who was actually coaching me for that fight and he's like you know you did really good and he said there was a couple times where you missed you know where she was tired where you could have shot in and granted obviously i was tired too but he's like you had a couple opportunities where you could have changed this fight and so i i went back i played the video i watched And so my next goal was I'm going to learn some different takedowns that I can use no matter how the person's moving around. And so that allowed for me to go in and and I was really aggressive with learning a new series of takedowns. And I love it. It's actually my favorite now. It's pretty violent and you can pretty much do it (laughs) no matter what they're doing. You know, even though that was a hit to my confidence, it also allowed for me to come back and say, okay, what can I do better? You know, right. Right. I just have to ask, what's the name of the move that I like doing? Yeah, <laughs> the collar drag. You make them eat. Okay. The, you make them eat the mat. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, what's funny is that Alicia is uh, she's really good at it, and I'm also pretty good at it. So it's like our like family move. It's <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> awesome. What about for you, AJ? You ever been in a situation where you lost confidence, where you went in confident and then lost it? Actually, uh, there was one time when uh, I was working. We had to do 
a project where we were lifting. It was a forklift, another forklift job that I did. Yeah. And we were lift modular like houses, but it was for schools. So this guy, he comes up and he uh, tells me, he goes, hey, man, you're doing really good, man. I really like your work, right? This is two hours prior. Yeah. So we go to do this project and I'm doing the project. I'm knocking it out. And this other guy comes up and he goes, I'm doing my lift. He's doing his lift because you have to be synchronized, right? So you have to be yeah. really in tune with your counterpart. So we're, we're lifting, boom. And the guy shifted on me. My end of the building, you know, kind of boggled and yeah. he warped it and uh, busted a window. So the guy that just gave me the compliment, you know, you're doing really good, man. You're really fantastic. Which drilled me. Hey, what the hell do you think this is? What fuck this? Just you know, just yeah, just like breaking me down. And you know, my animal instinct almost kicked in. You know, I was like, you know what? I disappointed this person. Yeah. He, he I, I know that he was talking good about me. I know that you know I was his go-to guy, and I just disappointed him because you know the top guys were there watching it because this is their baby. And I think it just it hit my confidence because. The disappointment aspect of being a part of a team. Oh yeah, nobody sure. ever wants to dis- disappoint their team. It's as well as doing jujitsu, wrestling. Yeah, uh, you don't want to disappoint your coach. No, I you know what I mean? sure. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. When I was wrestling, you know, when my coach used to describe me to the other coaches, he used to be like, "Hey, this guy's—he's not a seasoned wrestler, but he's an animal." My contenders used to see me. They used to be like, "Man, what the hell? How's this guy in my weight class?" My favorite, <laughs> you know I mean? my favorite go-to. I'm, I'm talking about. I was like 162 at about three percent body fat. I wow. was I was a monster. My favorite go-to move was uh, head and arm. Okay. So yeah, yeah folk style wrestling, right? Yeah. And I used to just drill people into the mat. <laughs> I'm talking about. You could hear it straight across the gymnasium. So I think I think we get prone to you know the uh, value that people put on our confidence. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that drives us where our confidence kind of gets hit or, you know, we have a lack of confidence when we have this standard with our counterparts or our team or our coaches or whatever, whoever may be in the organization, they build on top of your confidence. You can be the most confident person in the world, but if somebody's constantly building on your confidence, yeah. that then entombs and becomes your confidence as well. Oh, yeah. Just as well as building a house brick yeah. by right. brick, you know? Yeah. Even understanding that everybody at some point in time is having an issue with confidence and having to fake it till they make it, especially like in a competition. You know, some of those guys come out for a fight with a flag and fancy music, but they're like terrified. They're fearful. They're, yeah. you know, like they're nervous, you know, their their nerves are getting the better of them. But you have to think about the fact that you're not the only person in the world who's ever felt this way or who's going to feel this way. Right. Sometimes those feelings are completely normal and you just have to get through yeah. them. Yeah, that's and true. It kind of reference back to you know this this too shall pass. Yeah, right. And yeah. everybody everybody wants to reference that to hardships in their life. Yeah, but that's true. Even when you even when you're at your top and you're you're the most confident, you're the most built, you're the most pristine aspect or visual that you have of yourself. Yeah, that too will pass. Yeah, this right, too will sure. pass. We can be on top and we can be on the bottom just as fast. What you determine what you want to be or your confidence is going to take you or your fake it till you make it gets right. you you know what i mean for sure the third method is to maintain eye contact it's definitely a dead giveaway that your confidence is lacking when you have difficulty making or maintaining eye contact 
you know, for some people, that's a hard thing to do. And one thing that I know a lot of people do when they're having a hard time with making eye contact is to look at like the bridge of their nose or their mouth instead, because it kind of gives the impression that you're still engaged and focused, even though you're really not looking them in the eye. Um, That can tend to be intimidating for some people. Yeah. The fourth is to manage voice projection, intensity, and speed. A lot can be determined from how you speak and communicate. Someone who's mumbling or speaking softly, they're going to come across as not confident. When you're feeling like your confidence level is not where it should be, try to project your voice more. Also, try to speak slower. Speaking fast is a telltale sign that you're nervous and you lack confidence. Remind yourself that what you're saying is important and it's value added. This will also help you reduce the number of filler words that you might have to use when speaking faster because you're speaking faster than your brain can formulate those ideas. Um, And it'll also help you reduce any accidental stuttering. Have you, um, how do you communicate in order to kind of display that confidence? Man, that's funny that you asked. I'm actually in the challenge of that right now. Yeah. Weekly and monthly, we pretty pretty much got thrown into it. Uh, We have to do reporting. Uh, The reporting consists of, you know, uh, P&L, building stats, labor plans, overtime, and so on and so forth. So the first call was, it was terrible. The ums, the ahs, the pause words, the recoup words, where they, everything came out. The mm, ah, uh, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, and I noticed it was because I can hear my own voice mm. in an echo because I hooked up my speakers. And right. I was like, how am I going to get out of this, right? And the next call, I turned down my volume where I could just hear myself and not the echo and it went smoother. You know what I mean? But then I noticed it sounded too scripted. Ah. So then I started to work on it. And then I said, you know what? These guys put on their pants the same way I do. So it kind of put me in a mind frame. Like, look, just have the confidence that you have, that you would speak, you know, it just speak it. Right. The next call uh, so I'm ready. I know the script. I know what they're doing. I know the questions they're going to ask. You know, I got every question that they might ask about my seasonal pushes What extra, all the extra. Right. Right. Like how you spoke about your next meeting. You know, you knew the question. So everything <laughs> yeah. was loaded. Yeah. Any question you asked was loaded. <laughs> when so, in armed. Yeah. Loaded in arms. So <laughs> my luck on this call, they boom, they go, hey, we're going to go a little off script today. <laughs> so. So they go, we're a little off script today. I need to know how each of one of your buildings would save the upwards of 150K before the end of this period. Mm-hmm. Mind you, we only have two weeks in the period. Right. But I persuaded myself to actually, you know, already be on that mind frame, right. like that mind frame. So I've been running this project as far as increasing cubage because, you know, gas prices are high. So I just start right. spilling it. And my confidence just grew and you can just hear it. And I'm getting text messages and dings from upper leadership that I've dealt with. They're like, man, you're rocking and rolling right now. Keep on going. <laughs> Keep going. So I think getting the understanding of what you're speaking about. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? I might have uh, went a little off subject, but getting the understanding and the confidence what needs to be said. Always less is better. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Less is more or whatever the case. So I, I think that one of my biggest tools as far as communication goes is that I learned how to you know, pace myself and just apply what I know. Right. Don't do too much. And even sounding sure of yourself when you speak. The other day, me and my daughter were in jiu-jitsu class, and at the end of the class, the professor was talking to everybody about some of the mistakes he saw in the competitions, and he was talking about confidence, and he said, "What's what's the opposite of high confidence? And so nobody's saying anything, so I'm like, low confidence. And then I realized... 
that wasn't what he was looking for. Like he couldn't think of the word like because he's from Brazil. And sometimes, you know, like trying to think of how to say a word in another language can get stumbled on that sometimes. Not that I know, because obviously I'm not bilingual, as we've all discovered. (laughs) (laughs) But um, my daughter was laughing. And so but the thing that I thought was funny was that I at least said it confidently. (laughs) <laughs> so, and he was probably thinking, yeah. well, duh, high confidence and low confidence. Like, that's, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> that's awesome. That's too funny. The fifth way is to dress to impress. You should always dress for the job that you want and not the job that you currently have. You're not going to wear a suit to pick up trash on the highway, of course, but you'll take your wardrobe selection serious and wear appropriate fitting clothes. You know, wear clothes that make you feel confident, clothes that make you feel good, and others see as looking good as being you know you can walk into a room and if you see somebody in sweatpants and tennis shoes and then you see somebody in a suit you're automatically going to think the person in the suit is either in charge successful something like your outlook of the two is going to be very different definitely dress to impress yeah i know you know all about this jose i do (laughs) aj what's your experience with um dressing to impress Man, it's uh, it's been a humbling experience, actually. I, I always thought that when you go into a job, you dress for the job. It wasn't until really I got more engaged with you and Crystal and stuff where, you know, dress for the job you want. And I guess to put that in a better perspective is I didn't understand that. What Crystal just said is like, hey, when you walk into the room, it's all about the perception that people have. Perception is what 80% of the law. I guess the perception that I had was like, hey, you know, I'm going for this forklift job and the worst in boots, or I'm going for the supervisor's job. I'm okay with wearing just a slacks and a polo shirt. When you have that sense of urgency, you want that job and you know that you are destined to do something better. It's that persuasion that you put into your mind when you put on that sports coat and slacks and a tie and you walk in there and you see the person's eyes open up a little bit because they were like, hey, man, this guy might take my job one day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And when you're walking through, and I guess, in a sense, when you do your walkthroughs or you do your interviews and everybody looks and said that that curiosity of who that is, you know what I mean? Then you start putting that persuasion in your head and you start manifesting like, it's not who is he, it's what is he going to be here? Who is he going right. to What is he going to do here? And then you start building that. And it's just the building bricks of the confidence inside yourself. You know what I mean? And then when they see you the next time and you're dressed down a little bit, they're like, oh, you're the one dressing with this and this. And then it just starts building that. I don't know. It just builds your confidence, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, sometimes you can put on some nice clothes and, man, it makes you feel good. Yeah, Yeah, it does. You walk around with your head held high like, man, I look good. Yeah, for sure. Even wearing a sports coat in 118 degree weather. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, when uh, AJ and I were out there doing all those sales calls, like, that's exactly what we did. We were like, okay, what what are you putting on tomorrow? What are you wearing? You're wearing a tie? you're Mm. You're wearing a jacket? We would coordinate that way so that way when we walked in, because... If you're walking up the street and you got you know, some jeans, some holes in it, some tennis shoes, and you walk into a professional setting and go, hey, I need to speak to the general manager and I, I want to offer him this service. Yeah, you're not going to get the same response. No. The response that you're going to get is going to be like, who are you? Yeah. And why are you even here? Like, you're, you're yeah. not even presenting a good appearance, you know? Right. It's like going to a nice restaurant. They bring your shit out in a plastic bag, right? And they're like, here's your, your food, you know what I'm saying? The presentation is 90% of the experience. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So, if you're not presenting well, and I'm going to tell you, I've always had a challenge because I came from a background where I didn't know anybody who wore suits. 
I didn't own a suit until I'd been in the military for like, you know, besides my class A's, I didn't own a suit until I've been in the military for almost 15 years. And when I first started changing the way that I dress and really being focused on how I dress is when I was working at a job in the military where they had a casual day. And one day of the week, you were able to wear whatever you wanted to come to work, right? And so everyone would wear like sweats and, you know, because they were dressing down, right? Right. But me, I would come in and because I didn't have to wear my uniform, I would dress up. And everybody would be like, wow, why are you dressing up on the dress down day? You know, I'm like, this is me dressing down because if not, I'll never buy a sweater. I'll never buy a tie. I'll never buy a jacket because I'll never have a, an occasion to wear it, you know? Right. And so, and, and actually it's kind of funny because as I was going through my military career, I was working on changing like how I look at that dressing for success. And at my last duty station, I met my mentor, Charles Taylor. And this is a dude who dresses to impress all the time yes he's always snazzy and the dude is sharp (laughs) like you'll never catch him not being sharp you know what i'm saying and and he pulled me to the side one day and he said listen jose this is what you need to do man you need to get this color jacket this color jacket and this color jacket you get a blue one a black one and a brown one he goes and now you get a blue pair of slacks a brown pair of slacks and a black pair of slacks he goes now you got six suits you get yourself a couple shirts you get yourself a pair of black shoes a pair of brown shoes now now you've got an outfit that can go you know what I'm saying? You could match and match. You could you could switch it up. And no one ever schooled me like that. No right. one ever sat me down and go, hey, look, this is how you can sit at a table with people that are above your financial level or people who are above your position level. You know what I'm saying? Because if you come to the table and you got the jeans on, you got the tank top, like you're not going to fit in. Although we like to believe that everyone is going to be accepted based on the value that they bring, it starts with how you look. It does. Absolutely you know what does. I'm saying? And not, not how you look physically, but how you present physically. And the fact that you're taking that little extra time to polish yourself and to say, hey, I belong at the table. I belong here and I'm not out of place here. And that does amazing for your uh, self-esteem and for your confidence, because it's, it's nothing worse than coming into a room and then feeling like you don't belong in the room and knowing that mentally you belong, but no one accepts you in that right. space. When I left the military and I was working at Dr. Pepper, I came in one day and I was wearing these uh, slacks with these dress steel toe shoes and I would wear a, a button. I didn't wear a tie, but I wore a button up shirt. And as I was walking in, my operations manager, I was a supervisor, he was walking beside me and we ran to the general manager and the general manager was like, hey, Jose, why are you dressed like this? You got an interview today or like what's going on? You're like trying to make a joke. And I said, no, I said, uh, I said, this is just what I wear to come to work. You know, he's like, uh, don't you know, you have to climb underneath the machines and you're going to get sticky from the soda and whatever. I'm like, yeah, I said, but I just throw it in the wash and I, I'll be fine. Or if it gets messed up, it's not expensive. I just get another shirt or whatever. And he goes, so, so why are you dressed all dressed up then? And I said, well, you know, I feel like I should be dressing for the job that I want. That's the job that I have. And he turned around and looked at the operations manager who was wearing a tank top and, and some shorts. And he goes, so what job do you want? Like, <laughs> you know, the guy crawling under the machine. Yeah, it's like it goes a long way. People come in and they look at him. They look at me. They're going to think I'm in charge because I look the part. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I notice it, you know, big time in interviews when people come in to interview. You know, you'll see somebody that's dressed up. They're super professional. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And then somebody will come in and they'll have honestly, they'll look like they rolled out of bed. 
They didn't take any initiative into, you know, even if you don't have the money, like if you're, you know, any of that to just have like a sense of pride in how you're presenting yourself because you're selling yourself, like sell the best version of yourself. Yeah. No, I, I, I just totally agree. I mean, yeah. I've, I was always told, man, you, as long as your hygiene is up and you got clean clothes on, man, wear it and you own it. Yeah. Right, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I ain't gonna lie. I grew up in, well, I'm, I'm a 70s baby, right? But I grew up in the 80s, man. I've been sagging since the 80s. I sag. Like, <laughs> n- not, not like a lot of these guys sag today, but I've been sagging since I was a kid. Like, I, I've been told in, in, when I was in high school, pull your pants up. But I'm not going go to go to a job interview and sag. And there's an environment where that's okay. And then there's an environment where you just got to take it up a notch. You got you know, you to represent. Right. So the six ways to remember to smile. People associate smiling with friendliness and positivity. It makes you approachable, and believe it or not, smiling has a positive physiological change. Frowning, on the other hand, has the exact opposite effect. Seventh is to listen to motivational and uplifting music. This can include songs that pump you up or speeches with positive affirmations. This is a great way to put your symbolic armor on. And, you know, how have you used music or positive affirmations to motivate and drive up your confidence, either of you? Man, to go back to the warehouse me and uh, Jose worked at, right? There was a song that I listened to almost every day on the way to work. Eric can vouch for this, right? What was it? What's the song? It was by Russ, Do It Myself. Mm. And it was was more more of a, I say, a metaphoric sense for myself. You know what I mean? I didn't take it because there's verbiage and stuff that he uses in the song. But, you know, I was like, nobody's going to do it for me. I have to do it for myself. It's pretty. It's a pretty different song. You know what I mean. It's pretty cool, but it just goes down, and they just basically like f this. I'm not gonna wait on nobody to do it for me. I'm gonna do it for myself. Mm. You can come with me, or you can come with me, but I'm gonna do it myself. Right. That's awesome. That's good, man. There was a point in time yeah. in my life where I was going through some pretty heavy stuff, and man, I hated my job. And this was when I was still in the military. This particular assignment, and every time I pulled up to work, I would listen to the same speech. It's called "I Am a Champion." That was like my pump me up before I walked into the building. That was like, and when I got done listening to that, I felt so energized. Man, I can do anything. (laughs) So I'd walk in with my head held high. And even if it was a bad day, like that got me ready to face that day with courage, you know. Yeah, I do this in my professional, my physical, like all aspects of my life. I'll listen to like motivational speeches. I'll listen to on motivational music, especially with like if I'm on the treadmill and I need I need that motivation, I'll throw something on and I'll listen to that. And so this is a big one, and I think not a lot of people take advantage of it because the positive affirmations that you hear others speak to you, they do inspire you, they do motivate you, they do give you that extra energy. Recently, they did a a test where they took a MMA fighter and they injected him with adrenaline to see how hard he could punch. And then they measured the the strength of his punches on adrenaline. And then they took him off the adrenaline. And then they had the coach, his coach, like jump in his face and like really motivate him, really get him pumped up. And then they measured the punch. And the guy punched harder off the adrenaline with the coach motivating him. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty powerful. That is very powerful. Because think about how powerful adrenaline is. You know what I'm saying? Like the the words that other people speak into you give you power and strength. Uh, or the words that you speak to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eighth, uh, practice deep breathing uh, or meditation. This is a great way to calm your mind, control your anxiety, and focus on being present. Uh, when doing this, try to clear your mind and be present by focusing on your breaths, entering your lungs, processing through your entire body. And when noise starts seeping into your mind, 
quiet it again by focusing on being present. So ninth, loosen up. You don't want to be too relaxed, especially in a professional environment or setting. But being too tense or rigid can be, you know, a sign of no confidence. Ensure that you're not clenching your jaw or pulling your shoulders back. Being tense can be a sign of anxiety. You know, a lot of times you'll see people standing with their arms crossed and like very closed off. That does come off as being low self-confidence. Yeah. Tenth is be a good listener. Being a good listener means you're actively listening. Uh, when someone's speaking, you're making that eye contact, you're leaning forward, you're providing those responses to indicate that you're paying attention. So 11th, document your victories. You know, journaling or keeping a diary is a great way to remind yourself of all the accomplishments. And actually, some people use checklists, let's say for, you know, their to-do list for the day. When you check something off, that sense of accomplishment releases dopamine in the body, which is like the feel-good drug in your body. Definitely very powerful. You know, do either of you guys keep a journal and does it help? <laughs> uh, do y'all have funny. a diary it's funny it's funny because uh, i i remember i remember i was telling aj i was like yeah i keep a journal he was like you have a diary <laughs> bro it's a journal it's different it's manly <laughs> manly <laughs> no yeah just to piggyback off what he said uh he actually did tell me about that and i did kind of give him a little little uh <laughs> joking around about it but about a month and a half later, I started keeping one. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, that's actually something I did take with me um, as far as the accomplishments and things like that. So I hate to say it, but I was kind of a job hopper recently, you know, going from place to place, just trying to find a home. Yeah. So in efforts of doing that, you know, I always wanted to have the right information. If somebody came up to me and asked me, hey, wh who did implement this? Who wanted to do this? It wasn't so much for the credit or things like that. It was just, you know, reference of what I accomplished here, what we was able to do here. So I actually, I take a lot of pictures. Right. I'm always known as a picture guy. Right. I'm, uh, we know. I got a firm, I got a, I got a firm belief, you know, it's always good to have a menu, but menu with pictures is even better. Right. Right. One of my things is when I go places, anytime any kind of recognition or shout out or anything that has to do with the crew or team, I always document it. Right. That's awesome. Right. That's whether it be whether it be uh, printing out the email, you know, putting into my journal, writing on it, saying, "Hey, this is what we did here," or whatever the case is, and it just builds a reference, you know, where I can go back and when the time does come and we do have those conversations, whether it be for advancement or increased pay, I'm always like, "Hey, man, you know, well, back in 2000 or back in so and so or back in so and so, we were able to accomplish this by doing this and this the team we had." Right. But right, even right, if you're right. having a, a bad day or bad week or bad month or whatever, yeah, exactly. you know, if you're feeling like you've been being a bad leader, you can go back and look at that stuff and be like, man, we've accomplished so much. Yeah. Yep. It's really funny because um, on that note, we're closing out 2020. I sat down and I went to my journal and I was recapping 2020. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, this was this has been a terrible year. Right. Because we had COVID. I lost my job. We ended up having to move like all kinds of bad things that happened in that year. And what I did was I started going through my photos. Right. And I started in January. And as I was going through my photos, it was a reminder of all the things that we did. And I'm like, man, we went on a vacation. Man, we, we did this. We you know, we uh, we accomplished this goal and we did these things. And I was like, man, and the kids came to visit and we did this and then we flew over here. I'm like, man, it was a phenomenal year. Yeah. But when you're recapping it, if you're not looking at those things and you're not putting those things in writing and and reminding yourselves. And you know what? It's a way to practice gratitude. 
It is. Thanks for, sure. for all the good things that we've accomplished. So many blessings have happened in the year, but if you're only focused on COVID-19, I lost my job and I had to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's even inspirational to your people. So to be able to tell your team, look mm-hmm. guys, despite COVID, despite yeah. all these things, we've done this, 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 and this, you know, that's yep. pretty powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is. It most definitely is, especially with the phase coming into the position I'm in now, as yeah. far as over with this company. It's just, it's funny because I know a few people, I kind of ran into a few people that I've worked with in the past here. Yeah. And the stories that go on in these guys' head is, you know, he uh, just came from a selector and they seen something in him. And, you know, there's inspiration of me being, you know, like a mid-aged guy, not older like the other guys or whatever the right. case is. So. It kind of gives the the associates like that hope, like man, if he can do it, I can do it, man. Absolutely. You know, this guy wears this guy wears baseball caps and has tattoos and mm-hmm. he looks like an asshole sometimes. And <laughs> he talks to us and he's cool and all this. So I think looking back, if I was able to see an individual like myself out on the floor and and giving um, people that sense of hope or whatever the case is, yeah. that there is something better at the end of the road. That I feel like I would have been doing this a long time ago. And, and and that's kind of what I got in you, you know what I mean, Jose. Right. Not taking anything away from Crystal, but that's what I actually got in you when I when I noticed you and I seen that. Yeah, hey man, this pant, dude's pants sagging a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It really grounded me. It made me get the outlook of like, hey, people like us, we can make it. And when I say like us, I don't mean ethnicity and things like that. Yeah. I just mean just people that took a different route to get to where they are. Right. You right. know what I mean? I. I people that had different demographic of people that we grew up around yeah. different understanding of certain things different ethics on certain uh, things so yeah. on and so forth you know what i mean and just um, think like you're that person now for other yeah. people and you wouldn't be yeah. if you wouldn't have had the confidence to continue moving forward and to continue right, exactly. up. i remember when yeah, we were in the sure. warehouse and they would everybody would keep asking me what my favorite color was everybody's trying to find out like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I knew it from the gate i remember what, uh, what he said. He, he said something and one of the hood words almost popped out and I was like, ah, I seen it. I seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, it was good times, man. It was yeah, very, definitely sure. a very great learning experience for me. And I know, I know it was a uh, Jose and forgive me if I'm speaking wrong for you. I know you spoke to me a few times and you said it was a humbling experience for you. It was, it sure was. And, man. and my thing about it is, is we all got something different out of it. Oh sure. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the, the humbling aspect of it for you, Jose, I was able to see that. And I didn't see you miss a step in your confidence. And that's one of the biggest right. tools of what convinced me to say, hey, this is, these are the people I want to be around with. Absolutely. Shit, we were we were fired. We were fired a month later. We were in Vegas. <laughs> we were. Who gets fired and goes to Vegas? Us. No, no, no. Who, who gets fired and goes skydiving? Us. You know what I mean. So, oh, so if, they, if, they, if, if that's not a brick of confidence, I don't know what it is. So, yeah. just you know, on a side note, I give you guys the biggest kudos, man. You guys are definitely some undeniable leaders, and the things that you've given people in the community, as far as my community where I'm from and the people that I know real strong and been known about reputations and so on and so forth and seeing what they've developed into is confidence that you've given not only me, but just the simple point that what you've done or whatever the case is or what lack of confidence you had in the past and right. whether you you faked it to make it in a different area, but now like you made it, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I appreciate I think that. I, I definitely appreciate that, man. 
Um, the 12th is act as the most qualified person in the room. If you have the answer to a question, then share it. If you have something to share, you got to share it. Ensure that those people that are around you are able to benefit from your knowledge and from your experience. Remind yourself that your value added to the discussion. At the same time, if there's something that you don't know, then search for the answer so that next time you'll be better prepared to answer a question. Thirteenth is to redirect attention in uncomfortable settings by asking questions of others. Redirecting attention away from yourself pulls you out of the limelight and places focus on others. It also allows for you to learn more about others and build connections. Fourteenth is learn to accept compliments. Shunning or downplaying your compliments can be a sign of low self-esteem and lack of confidence. Learn to say thank you. Never deflect a compliment to somebody else. Fifteenth is to learn to love the process. Don't look at failure as a destination or a binary act. Failure is an opportunity to learn and grow. Embrace a growth mindset and learn from your failures so that you're always left improving and becoming better today than you were yesterday. Take calculated risks with the understanding that there will be some failures, you know, that you'll need to learn from it. I think as servant leaders that we have to love the process. You know, we, we serve the associates, we serve the team, but we have to love the process. Because once you put yourself in a place where you're loving the process, you get a better understanding of what we can do to fix the process, to make minor tweaks so it could fit the person. I, I will firm believer of we, we don't address an associate, we don't address the person, we address the process. Right. If we, if we solidify the process where anybody can come in and they can do the process and they feel comfortable doing the process, then we won. Right. And that's because we put that love and that, that reliance into the processes that we built. I think the process is, if we take it as far as a personal process, a growth process, you have to love the process. Yeah, for sure. If you're not bought into the process, nobody can convince you to be committed to your own processes. You're alone and you tell yourself, I can't do this. I just can't do it. At that moment, you told 12 trillion cells in your body that you can't do anything. So what makes you think that six strong people can convince you that you can right i think the the strength is in the belief of what you can accomplish and the processes that you can do and don't make your processes unachievable you know what i mean don't make them right. so convoluted diluted or whatever you want to say to where they're not manageable to keep up or to even love right you know right. having that understanding of where you want to go is complicated enough you know simplify the process so you can achieve the goal yeah, okay. absolutely. And I, I think sometimes this is where some people get kind of caught up in not being able to achieve their objectives and their goals is because they're so focused on the outcome or the output, right? Failure is part of the process sometimes. It's part of the learning process. You know what I'm saying? You're not always going to have all the answers. You're not always going to do it right. It's not always going to work out perfect. Sometimes something's going to go wrong. But guess what? That's an opportunity to learn, right? That's an sure. opportunity to, to improve. That's an opportunity to say, okay, and even in a warehouse setting, you know, you got a process. You An order comes into the warehouse, you unload it from the truck, you put it into a, onto a pallet, you put it in the picking location, someone picks it, someone packages it, and then somebody ships it out. Right. But guess what? In that process, it's not always super efficient. Right. It's not always perfect. It's, sometimes there's a, a broken element of that process that you have to identify. And that's the same thing in, in your personal or your professional life too. Right. And so I really tie this mindset into jujitsu because a lot of times it's really hard to go into a, a competition, right? That you prepared and prepared and trained and trained for and then lose your fight. Right. And then you go, oh man, I suck. 
or, or <laughs> man, I'm just not a good fighter, or right. I'm not a good, I'm not a good competitor. None of that is true. None no, of that is true. Not. You're only looking at the end state. You got to love the process, and the process is you're going to go to fights and you're going to win, and you're going to go to fights and you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to learn from that process. You know. Sometimes you're going to make a mistake, oh. and yeah. even, and I think even when you're making your journey in life or in your career or whatever it is. Those challenging moments, those moments where you have to go back to the drawing board and change things or go back to the lab and relearn things or learn something different or learn how to counter something, those are the things that set you up for that next phase of your level up. So you can't go from one level to another level without having some uncomfortable moments and challenges in between. Yeah. So Amy Cuddy says, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. What's the difference between faking it till you make it and faking it till you become it? What do you think the difference is? Well, fake it until you make it is really kind of putting on a on a front until you reach that level that you want to reach. But yeah. faking it until you become it is when you're no longer faking it. You've became it. Right. So now it's just second nature to you. Yeah. So people, it's time to level up. If you're in a situation where you're having to fake it till you make it, whether that's in a new job, in school, on a sports team, or in a new relationship, then I encourage you to purchase the book, How to Fake It Till You Make It, by Shantavia Schrossfire and Kay Young. This book will provide great examples on how to fake it till you make it. AJ, again, thanks for joining us on today's show and allowing us to get to know you on a deeper level. You have been an inspiration and your achievements and accomplishments have truly been impressive to witness. We hope to have you back in the future to learn more about your talent in regards to leadership and team building because we know that you're going to continue to grow and do great things. Yeah, uh, we d definitely appreciate you showing up and sharing your story. And it's it's very inspirational what you've gone through and how you've turned that into a success story. And you said it earlier, the ripple effects of your leadership and your influence is going to touch so many more lives, man. And so I'm just uh, really proud of you, man. I appreciate yeah, sure. you both. Thank you for having me. Uh, you guys, you guys almost got me with the whole just talking about, you know, growth, man. I mean, the growth, the pain in the process. And, you know, I'm getting choked up right now just thinking about it. It, it hasn't been easy. Uh, you know, the failures, the failures that we come across and the mis misunderstanding that we that is given sometimes when we do certain things, you know. Yeah. I think as lions in the industry that we we hold this confidence. It was said before in a speech that I that I heard, you know. The lion's not the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest. You know what I mean? Yeah. His, his persona comes off of him just being the lion. Right. Like him telling him the biggest, the baddest, the strongest, and the smartest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that anybody can build that confidence. It just takes time and takes the understanding of your worth. You know what I mean? So yeah. I appreciate you guys for helping me build those tools and shining them up and sharpening them up. So You did the work. You. You definitely did the work. Buddy. You know, it's funny because when people see you at a certain level, they think, man, it must be nice. But man, yeah. they have no idea what happened to get you there. Cool. You know, what, what yeah. happened behind closed doors, you know, yeah. the fights that you may have yeah. had, the moments that you missed with your family. There's so many things that occur in that journey that people don't get to see. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I totally agree. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon, man. Let's stop allowing a new environment or a change in our situation to slow us down from achieving our goals when working towards our objectives. Let's begin to work internally on our confidence so that we can bring our best selves to the fight every single time, whether that fight is in the boardroom, 
it's on the warehouse floor, in the classroom, or even if it's in a relationship. Learning when and how to fake it till you make it will help boost your confidence, your knowledge, and your expertise so that you can achieve success where others may struggle. It's time to level up how we transform ourselves into what we need to become in order to succeed. Take a step to living a life without limits, a life where anything is possible. 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 possible.